hello and welcome, Star Wars fans, to another edition of the Jedi Council podcast. I am your interim host today, Justin, um, with uh, my other host, uh, Dave. We are alone today. Some of the Jedi Council is off on other missions, uh, running around the galaxy. So, But uh, with uh, such a big episode and, and so much happening, we, we, we couldn't not do something. So... Dave and I are going to try to humble through this as much as we can. We'll 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 strive to do as good a job as Alex does. Uh, say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. There we go. I know that part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know his whole intro. So today we're discussing Chapter Thirteen, The Jedi, for the newest uh, episode of The Mandalorian. Dave, what did you think? I loved it. I think that that is probably my my summary. I just loved it. Yeah, you? yeah, I, you know, of all the things, when, I mean, we knew who she was going to be. We knew you kind of got a little bit of people making their own fan creations of what she could look like, you know, but to see it actualized and, and things is, again, to me, always such a treat, having been such a longtime fan and come from the Clone Wars, you know, and I think there was a lot of question as to what she would sound like. Um, would she, you know, since Ashley, you know, is the person that most people think of when they think of what Ahsoka sounds like. So I think they did, I think they did a great job. And and I think we even said, you know, I think somebody on here even had a, a, a postulation that maybe they would dub in Ashley's voice over hers. Yes. Yeah. That was a suggestion. So Um. I'm kind of glad they didn't, you know, um, I think I had seen in, a, in in something else that she had done. She had said she didn't have any involvement in the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. So I think I kind of knew that she wasn't going to be in there, and I knew that it would be Rosario Dawson's actual voice. You know, and I think, I think to a degree, her voice lends a bit of maturity. And I know that like we've seen Ahsoka grow up through the Clone Wars, right? And in the movie and stuff, she's very like if there was a, a maturity of her voice even in the series, but I think even more so. It's been even longer, right, since Rebels and stuff. So she's even older now. So there's something, I think, that gives it a sense of age to her. What do you think of that? No, I would, I would agree. She's, it's, it's what, about 10, 15 years maybe after Rebels. Um, as, as a character, if, if she was, well, about 14, 15 by the end of the Clone Wars, Add about 19, 20 years on to get you to um, Luke and, and A New Hope. About another five years to Return of the Jedi. And then another another five for this. So, you, so you're looking at what, what was that? That's about 30, 20, 30 years added on to 15. She's, she's yeah. about 40, 45 maybe. So I agree. I agree. A, a voice, you would expect a voice to have, have, have changed. Yeah, yeah. So I, I felt it was good, you know, and so there was that. But I think, and let me ask you this: so I, the beginning, right? I mean, it, they don't, they didn't waste any time. They, they jumped right into it. What'd you think of that beginning? Oh, it was, it was very good. Um, I, I would say brutal, to be fair. Um, and again, this, ah. this is, this is potentially the, the difference that we're now seeing in the, in Ahsoka that she's matured and she she's now more than prepared to, to be taking lives. I get a very force unleashed. I get a very 
Yes. I get a very, uh, you, uh, did you ever play that computer game? Yes. 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 I get a, it's like, she's no longer a Jedi. She's got a, she's got a goal. She's going to meet that goal, man. Like, you know, she does the distraction where she makes the, 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 the yes. branch snap off to the side so she can ambush him from the side. Like, she is, you see so many of the things that she learned from Anakin through the Clone Wars fully realized in that scene. And to, let me know if you think this is fair. To me, she, um, this episode in particular, at least the very the beginning, I think partway through the, the middle, it starts to become more Mandalorian. But in the beginning, it felt very much Clone Wars to me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would and maybe say that. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, overall, I would actually say that the, the, the general tone of this episode, I wouldn't say it was at odds with the rest of the series, but there was a definite samurai overtone to this that I would, I would say that the, the, the rest of the season so far has been very heavily Western. And I don't think it dropped the Western elements. There was still like almost like the gunslinger part to the Mandalorian himself. But it had another layer overlaid on top of it, and and it was very samurai esque. Yeah, yeah, and we had discussed that a bit in in our in our little chat side, and I agree wholeheartedly. But to me, it felt very much, and I think a lot of that could be Dave Filoni's influence, being the director of this episode. Well, you know, considering his his work on the Clone Wars and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, it did it did have that that Western. You know, it does have the the showdown and stuff like that. But you're right, the samurai overtones, the whole, and the the stark contrast of like, of the of the the surroundings of Corvus, right? Like, yes. outside it's just a wasteland of disparity, and inside this little thing is this little cornucopia of like vitality and life, right? So it's, yes, yes. The the stunningness of the of the cinematography was very good, I think, and it set very interesting tone. I thought it it did. Um, it and, and and potentially this is the one thing which I think I didn't enjoy as much. Um, I just felt it was a bit too dark because it was it was almost like the entire planet was almost like a perpetual twilight. Um, and well, it does seem like because they did call it a forest world, but you notice the forest is all burned. Yes, something yes. terrible is yeah, a healthy forest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a very it's 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 very similar to Umbara, right? When you when they're yes. in, in the Clone Wars, yes. where the whole thing it's just dark all the time. Yes. Yeah, I, oh, I, I got a very similar feeling about it. Yeah, and 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 for me, I would say that that was the only thing which I think it. But again, I don't I don't know if that was. A, a definite overtone to try and get this samurai style movie feel to it because when you see i don't, I don't know your experience of watching like oriental japanese um or even chinese where you see the likes of the fighters who jump around the trees the ghost almost like the the, the ghost style um yeah, you're talking about like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style. That, yeah. that, that surreal, like Japanese fantasy style telling of it. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it had that feel to it. And and maybe, and, and again, quite a bit of that type of cinematography, they, because, they, because quite often you see them like almost like in bamboo forests and things like that, 
so again that the burnt trunks and the straight trunks with no no like leaves or or or, or growth on them instilled that same type of feel to it yeah and i think even just the design of the of the settlement the the yeah. The gong that they ring at the very beginning of it is very gong-like, right? It has a very overtone of that. So, so yeah, I think the samurai elements of it were definitely there. But even then, like I said, it, it very quickly, once she's standing at the gate and they call her out and she comes, it's just like in Western where she's it, it she's coming to lay down the law and she's telling you, you got 24 hours till sundown tomorrow and then I'm coming for you. Did, did you see on the top of the gatehouse the, the shape that was there? The shape? The shape. So the, the the housing for the bell, the gong bell thing that they used. Oh, like the roof over it. Yes. Yeah. It was the same type of building that was on Jakku, the gateway that you saw in Jakku in um, The Force Awakens. And huh, I didn't notice that. It, it was also, um, it, it was originally a Ralph McQuarrie sketch that ah. was used or wasn't used in the end, but it was it was one of the concept ideas for the entrance way, the gateway into Jabba's palace that was then never oh. used. But it was reused in The Force Awakens, which was a nice nice callback to Ralph Macquarie artwork. Yeah. But it was also the same shape that was that was on top of the, the castle wall above the gate with the bell inside. And and we've seen in the past that Dave Filoni has used quite heavy elements of Ralph McQuarrie's sketch work in, in the TV show Rebels. Yeah, definitely. So For me, I might have been a little distracted by those uh, HK-47 uh, <laughs> assassin droids. And again, I mean, I played a lot of computer games and especially Star Wars because that, before the prequels and before what we have now, that was it in terms of if you were getting new Star Wars lore that was outside books and reading and stuff. So... For me, that was a great, again, we've talked about this, you know, on several episodes. They seem to have hit a nice yes. path of we're going to acknowledge the EU and these things, even though yeah. we said we weren't, but we're going to bring those in and pepper them in for those people that care about them. And like my wife, like I was like, HK Assassin Trident, she's, she, she doesn't know those things. She doesn't care as much as me. And she's like, okay, that's, that's great. She's happy for me. But for her, it's still just kind of cool to watch. Like we were watching it together, you know. And for her, because she, you know, by way of Rebels, she was introduced to Ahsoka because she was not a big fan of the Clone Wars. She just she just thinks it's a lot of war and she's just not for that. She liked yeah. the family tie element of Rebels that really, you know, that Disney yeah. really did with that. So she she was really into that. And I got her to watch the last season of the Clone Wars just because it was so Ahsoka heavy. She was about it. But I tried to get her to watch the beginning ones and she just wasn't having it. So it's very interesting to see. The difference in me being such a hardcore fan and having such intimate knowledge, and her being a little bit more a little bit more casual about it, but knowing more so than most. But yeah, so for her, she was just like, "Okay, that's cool." But for me, I'm like, "You don't understand." Like, Darth Revan had so an HK forty seven assassin droid, <laughs> and she's just okay. And like, you know, partway through, it was late. You know, it was late for us. I mean, I know for you guys, what time did it? Eight o'clock in the morning. Eight o'clock in the morning. Okay, so did you stay? You obviously didn't stay up. You just got up early, I assume. I just, yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I was working at nine, so I watched okay. it. Um, my eldest, who it was his fourteenth birthday on Friday, so uh -huh. um, so oh, he belated birthday to him from the council. 
no, I, I will pass that on. Um, but he was um, he's currently self isolating because someone in his bubble at school has tested oh. positive. So he's he's at, he's at home for ten days. Working uh-huh. his school's quite good. They they kick out work for him to do and, and what have you. But um, but it did mean he was at home. So the pair of us just sat down and watched it. Nice. Yeah, my wife had something early that morning for her work. And then I was like, oh, by the way, I'm staying up to watch Star Wars at midnight. And she was like, oh, boy. She goes, I'm going to need some coffee because <laughs> she had been up like all day. So partway through, she had like kind of dozed off at one part because, you know, for her, parts of it aren't as interesting to me. You know, and I was at certain parts, I kept gasping and she kept waking up. And I was like, I'm sorry, because <laughs> like there was so many shocks in this. So bringing it back, we're at this front gate. She tells her, you know, you've got till tomorrow, right? And basically telling her, you know, you're already torturing people. Like, yeah, how could well, it get she's, any worse? She's obviously not the, the, the person that she's haunting, that, that woman um, who we didn't know who she was at the time. Um, she was obviously she's she, she's obviously a bad person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She definitely doesn't seem like a a, a good warlord. <laughs> no, no. I, I I thought it was good. I mean, you you had a Michael. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Bine Ben. I, I don't know how you pronounce it. So the the hired gun that she had. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he was in Terminator, the original Terminator movie. He was, yeah. He was Kyle. Yeah. Um, so. I'm like, I don't even know what he's been in over the years, but it was just amazing to see him on screen again. I had seen somebody mention that online. I didn't even notice it, but like, I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, you look vaguely familiar, and I know I've seen you in things, and I should probably know your name. <laughs> you know, it's it's that back of your mind. You're like, something is bothering me. I know I know you from somewhere, but yeah, that was his his story i feel was good it was you know obviously she needed a lieutenant right she yes. needed somebody somebody to keep mando busy uh, yeah. while while things happen but we'll get there we'll get there but so, I, I i thought she cuz her name diane um oh how how do you pronounce her last the name the one who played the governor yes of the city um cuz her Oh, I'm, I'm, that's awful that I can't I can't say her last name. Um, so Sometimes I'm going to read it, which I shouldn't do, um, <laughs> but I will do just because her. I'm trying to find it now, so it's even worse. So I actually read it properly. Um, so we, it was. Diane Lee Inosanto? Inosanto. Yes, Inosanto. Inosanto. I probably. I apologize. I probably. Oh, no, exactly. I, I, I was. I wasn't even prepared <laughs> to try it. Um, but I just thought she, she just came across really, really cold and heartless. The the, the character. She did such perfect. a fantastic job. Yeah. Of, of being holy empire feel. Yes. Just yes. what you would expect a, a, a person of the Empire to do to a backwater or a bombed-out world, right? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what her backstory is. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they do get into that because of, you know, the events that continue on down the line, right, at, yes. at the end here. <laughs> so then the next morning, you know, Mando flies in. He's been told by 
um, Katie Sackhoff, Bo-Katan, where to find a Jedi. So he shows up, gets out, and uh, walks on through. Now, I thought this was interesting. My wife, wife was like, does he not ever lock the door to his ship? <laughs> And I was just, I, I died because I was like, yeah, you're right. He always walks off and just leaves it open. Like, and yes. I was like, I guess it's just assumed that it locks and shuts. She goes, that's not good storytelling. Well, it's like, it's, yeah, any random animal could just wander up the gangplank. Right. Right. I, I said exactly the same thing. And my that's son, funny. That's William funny. said, well, maybe it's like your car, Dad. And when you walk away from your car, your car automatically locks itself. It's like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe he yeah. walks away. He's, his key's out of range and the, the, the thing loads back up. I don't know. I mean, I know in the books that when you, in the EU books, when they talk about Boba Fett, they talk about how armored his ship is and how yeah. it electromagnetically seals and stuff like yeah. that to the point where, like, you can't even, like, almost cut through it because of how it's ray shielded and stuff yes. like that. So... I guess to a degree, I kind of just assume those things, right? But I thought it was very funny when she pointed it out. I was like, yeah. I was like, what did, I was like, you saw his ship last time. I mean, the thing was in pieces. It's not like, he doesn't exactly have a Corvette, okay? It's not, I think he's got, he's got, you know, he's got a Honda that's a little older, runs great, gets him where he needs to go, but has, most people aren't going to try to steal it. <laughs> Although, I would argue that his cargo is a little more precious nowadays, so maybe he should work on getting a few more locks. It's, it's obviously easy to repair as well. So it's, it's, it's one of these like ubiquitous vehicles that everybody's got parts for. I was thinking about that too, right? Like, can you imagine like, I mean, as it is, like with the cars that we have, you can't put Chevy parts on a Ford and you can't no. put, you can't put this part on that car. Can you imagine being out in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy trying to find like a shielding panel for the side. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, sorry. You're going to have to wait a few days while we hyperspace some stuff in, <laughs> you know, I yeah. just, whereas wherever we go, of ships has always been very funny to me on, on Star Wars. No, no, I agree. I agree. So yeah. yeah. So he walks into town, you know, they uh, initially greet him uh, rather, rather coolly, but they obviously know what, what uh, yes. Mandalorians are. Now, I find that very interesting, right? So we know the Siege of Mandalore happened, and we know that people know of Mandalorians and things, but they don't seem, it seems to be at least with also like with the Watch, right, or the children of the Watch that they have. In the first season, she mentions how only one of them go used to, like, at least for a while, would go out at a time to hide yeah. their numbers, kind of like Sam people, right? Yeah. So, yeah. to me, it seems like everybody seems to know what a Mandalorian looks like. Well, Despite maybe every, everybody who's in the business of war knows what a Mandalorian looks like. Yeah, fair. I, I mean, I could definitely see, I could definitely see the governor knowing. I see the Empire training their people into who's who, right? Yeah. Like. I can see that as yeah. part of academy training and stuff like that. But it seems like everybody in the galaxy knows what a Mandalorian looks like as soon as they see Beskar armory, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I find the, that the helmet's fairly recognizable, isn't it? The T-Visor is. And, I mean, you figure Bo Bo Boba Fett operated for how long and was one of the most feared bounty hunters. So, in, to a degree, obviously, you know, I, I do find it rather interesting because, you know, you're of a time and I'm of a time before all the prequels. So, back when... Yeah. You know, there was all the the talk of, well, how did he get the armor? You know, and it was, is he a, was he a Mandalorian? Wasn't he a Mandalorian, right? You know, what is a Mandalorian? Well, now it's all retconned, right? And it's all explained on how it goes, right? And how he got it and stuff. Yeah. So, 
some of that is 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 cognitive dissonance in my head where I remember certain things wrong because I just have too much knowledge of things that are no longer valid. <laughs> like the other day, I was like, oh. I'll say some stuff not remembering what part of Star Wars we're in. I think I was commenting on the thing about Obi-Wan. Everybody's like, Obi-Wan's dead, though. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. my bad. <laughs> yeah, about 10 years ago now. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time, long time gone. <laughs> not just a little bit. So, yeah, so he walks in, they let him in, and, you know, she immediately, obviously, thinks, yeah. what what luck? Yes, yes, yes. We, have a, a we have a Jedi-killing Mandalorian here. Yes. So she has a Beskar spear that she's yes. willing to trade him for that, his that, work. That, that was an interesting. How would she, again, how would she have got Beskar spear? Well, so yeah, that is a good question, right? I'd seen a few rumored things on online about her and who her character was, and I can't remember. Somebody had said on there that she was in some one of the planets that had had Mandalorian rule or something like that. Right. Okay. That was a, that was a rumor that I had heard online, and I hadn't followed that up, so I don't know that particularly. But that is something I had heard, and I'd also this is a side note. Uh, I had also seen people posting the picture of Ahsoka at the end of Rebels in the epilogue scene where she's standing waiting for Sabine to come when they were going out to search. Yep. And she's holding a staff. And some people think the staff might be the Beskar spear. Mm. I, I don't remember it being pointed. So I had to go. There's some things I need to go back and look at that I'm yeah. very interested to see. But I how she got it, who knows? It seems like the Emperor looted Mandalore and then the spoils of war went out to their to the people who were there. So I think maybe especially considering this is a little spoiler alert for everybody, but obviously we're doing that anyway, who her master is, right? I mean Yes. Yes. But then he wouldn't have been at the sacking of, of Mandalore. No, but he's a collector of, of art that, and antiquity. That is true. That is true. And That's a very for something thing. as rare as Baskar Steel Baskar Steel in and of itself like the guy said, uh, like uh, the imperial guy said at the beginning or in last season, it's amazing what it can what what you can do with it in the hands of the people who who made it. When yes. he's commenting on his new curious and stuff like that in the first season, so like I see those size, <clears throat> those types of things as pieces of art, cultural art that Thrawn sure. would of course be widely interested in. That's now true. would he be willing to give up a piece of it to one of his underlings? Maybe she did something of no. Who knows? Maybe or, or or even after he disappeared, maybe she helped herself to some of his pieces. Right, right. Well, and so so we'll get we'll get to that. Right, that's like towards the end. Uh, <laughs> that's towards the end. We're we're, we're jumping. We, we, ne we never follow it linear. I know, I know. I try, but like so many things lead into other things. <laughs> For the best of us, we try, we try. So. You know, he, okay. he doesn't even What did like in that town was the way that they held the prisoners. I thought that was very interesting. So it's, it was it was almost like the way that the Romans had the crucifixion. I got the exact same feeling, and I think yeah. that's exactly what they wanted. And I, and I even said to my wife, I said, that's an interesting way to crucify somebody. Yes. Like, yes. that was immediately where I went. Yes. Although that, then I, I want to look on the bright side of life, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I was, I was waiting for a little Jedi bright side of life, but didn't get it, unfortunately. <laughs> I love me some Python. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I thought, you know, I'm always very interested when they take something that is of 
common knowledge, but somehow wrapped in tech and wrapped in the Star Wars universe. So it's always yeah, nice yeah. when they have those little those little additions, you know. And no, so, yeah, that was super interesting, and it, it sets a very you know apparent tone for who you're dealing with. And yes, you know, a lot like you know Vlad the Impaler. I mean, he had a row of spiked heads all the way up to his door. He was sending a clear message about what to expect. <laughs> oh yeah, he was known as an Impaler for a reason. Correct. He didn't, you know, he earned that name, and apparently he liked it. So yes. Yes. I get the same sort of thing here, right? Icy, like you said, she's icy cold. She's, yes. And even when, and I think even the, I think even the Mandalorian knows, like he, she sees him as a tool, and that's it. And she would sell him out just as fast as if she could. So yes. I find it very interesting. Like she offers him the spear, and he kind of agrees to look into it, but he doesn't agree to actually because, as no, we find out. He said, yeah. I made no deal with her. Yes. Which obviously because he's a man of his... And I think that takes us back to what we've discussed in the past. He yes. is a man of his word. Yes. Cha chaotic neutral. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If he... Well, possibly neutral even good. lawful. Possibly even lawful. Yes. Because he, he, he gives his word. He sticks by his word. Right. And he doesn't... And so he he doesn't promised break. not... To, yeah. He, he'd not agreed to Hunter. Therefore, she wasn't... Uh, threat and he didn't have to go against something he promised i did think i was like i wonder if he's smiling under that 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 helmet every time he goes into somewhere to ask for you know any sort of information it's always like a little bit of trouble to get there and this time they were just like she's out in the woods can you go take care of that for us and he was just like didn't even have to say anything didn't agree just was like sure i'll go look into it <laughs> like some days are good days to be a mandalorian and some days aren't oh Yes. Plug in my computer. But yeah, I thought that was very funny how easily they were just like, yeah, can you go deal with this? And he was like, sure. Yeah, I'm certain I could wander out there and find her if you really want me to. I do like, uh, I did like how her lieutenant, he was like, what is that thing anyway? And he's like, I keep it for good luck. <laughs> Is that a pet or something? <laughs> I love how nobody knows what they are. Like, that reinforces how rare that species is. Yes, it's true. No, yeah. And even Ahsoka said, I found it interesting that Ahsoka said she had only ever met one other being like that. Because, as we've said on the uh, on other ones, Yaddle was added into the... So would she have never met Master Yaddle? Was it was it master or mistress Yaddle? I don't. I, was wow. it male or female? I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I just always thought of Yaddle as female. I think I always just assumed that they just assumed the role of master and made it gender neutral, regardless. True. True. Because I'm trying to think of some of the other famous Jedi masters. I mean, there was obviously ones on the council. Yeah, sure. They always just call them master. They don't ever dictate female or male. I don't Possibly, think. Possibly, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, but but anyway, I, I, yeah, I always thought um, Yabble to be to be female. But from what well, I, I know, she is technically female, right? Like, because yeah. that's what everybody said. It's like it's Yoda with a blonde wig was the joke, right? With her, yeah, yeah, with like goldy blonde locks, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. So, so she, she she was um, she was in the first uh, Phantom Menace. But I don't think she was. She, I don't think she appeared. So maybe there's some explanation. Clones. Yeah, so maybe so within, within, yeah, within the ten years or so between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I don't think she's then on the council by that time. 
Yeah, maybe she had retired or something. Because, yeah, I mean, Ahsoka was very young, right? She would have... Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, they don't all young... I mean, all younglings pretty much sit around the temple, so you would have assumed maybe even when she was younger, but maybe they don't... Maybe they're past it and cross or whatever. So, she, he, we, we, you know, he told where to find Ahsoka, right? And we know Ahsoka's on the defensive because she's in a hostile territory. So, yeah. what did you think of their initial meeting, Dave? What did you think of that? I thought it was fantastic. I, I loved the way he used his armor to, to fight her off and, and literally um, was blocking her lightsaber with his gauntlets. Um, and he's, he, I suppose the braces, aren't they, on these four? Yeah, the braces on the arm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was fantastic, just, just the fact that he was, he was using... And, and you actually saw how effective Beskar is against a lightsaber at that point, which, which I, was brilliant. I definitely don't have as many questions about laser fire anymore. No. <laughs> last week, remember, I had said, how yes. many bullet shots can it really take before it needs to be repaired? If the thing can block a, a lightsaber, I'm, a, I'm which, just... Which we've seen be able to carve through a, a bulkhead door. Right. Like, melt it to melt it into, like, into, like, like basically, you know, molten yes. iron, you know, yes. or durasteel. What is it? Durasteel that they use Dur on ships? Yeah, durasteel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I would say that if if his armor can block that, it can block a couple of laser bolts. <laughs> yeah. So it was I I particularly liked that not, but what I also liked is while he was able to to block and do things like that and even wrap her up at one point in the cable, yeah. she still hadn't lost her wits about her. As soon no. as she was wrapped up, she was just like, "Oh, I got something for you!" And she when she jumped up over that and and like <laughs> laid him up. And then used her lightsaber to cut herself out. I was like, "Yes, yes." No, I, 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 I that was that was brilliant. That was really well done. I live for that. Now I'm sure, Mr. Well, here we'll we'll input for Mr. Contrary here. I didn't like it. It was it was contra it was contrived. And now Star Wars is only good with lightsabers. And now you have your lightsabers. Did I do a good alley? <laughs> there you go, alley. You're here. You're here in spirit. <laughs> I don't know. You, we, we, I, I saw Dave, I saw Ali's comment in the chat about finally having Jedi in the Mandalorian, but yeah. I still sort of think that they've set it up, and I'm, I'm sticking to this till, like I said, until we get to the end of the season, at least. I don't think that they have. I think I don't. I honestly think we got Bo-Katan once. Mm -hmm. We get Ahsoka once this season. I don't think they're gonna pepper him in again. Maybe we get Bo and maybe we get Sabine when they go after the Dark Saber. But I think that happens next season. It could well that's, could well do. That's what? my thing. Because I think what they're doing is is testing audience reaction to characters to see who they give standards. Yes. That's a good point there. And and so far I think Bo Katan and Ahsoka have both scored exceedingly highly. On the fans, um, and I think uh, to a degree, I think they acted as like a trial run to show everybody, like, look, you can have a female lead in Star Wars run a show because yeah. that's been a big push in Star Wars. And I know a lot of people didn't like Kathleen Kennedy's whole comments that the Force is female, and I know that you know the Force isn't isn't male or female; it's it's a binding thing, and I I, I can respect that. But I do understand representation in media, and I do understand the, the need for those sorts of things. So I think it's a great thing that we have a character that the fans love, that the fans want to see more of, 
Yeah. Give the fans what they want. I think it's yeah. as simple as that. You know, yeah. don't force it on them. Don't make it about things that nobody wants. But if if they naturally respond to something, give them more of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? for, for me, um, there was a disappointment that we didn't see Rex with her. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. And I, I, you know, and I honestly thought Sabine would be with her. Did you yeah, not? Well, yeah. Again, this, this links into she's okay. We, we're going to jump ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to do no it. No worries. Okay. Uh, she, so she is hunting Thrawn as we find that out. Right. And so if we then tie back to Rebels, we, the last we saw of Ahsoka was with Sabine after the end of um, Return of the Jedi. So after the Battle of Endor, Ahsoka appears to Sabine and says, and, and basically they then go on their mission, which is to find Ezra. Because Ezra disappeared before the Battle of Endor, um, right. before before of most of yeah before most of what we saw in Star Wars, um, so he disappeared with Thrawn because he to all intents and purposes he kidnapped Thrawn. Basically, um, what are they called? They're called Pergola or something like that. Per- yeah, the, 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 the weird uh, the hyperspace uh, whales. Space, I call them hyperspace whales. whales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he yeah they disappeared together. So I'm assuming. Even though Ahsoka is hunting Thrawn, I'm assuming she's actually still looking for Ezra. Or, or, or maybe, maybe she's found Ezra, and Ezra and Sabine have now gone off into a beautiful world and future together. Uh, but they didn't find Thrawn, and maybe for some reason Ahsoka is now hunting Thrawn for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I got the feeling... I get the feeling, much like you, that it seems... Number one, for him to have people under him on planets inside the core True. has to mean that he's no longer just missing in wild space, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where I think with them putting Ahsoka in here, I can easily see them going to do Sabine and Ahsoka looking for Ezra. Yeah. As, the, as, a, as a standoff show. And kind of like the CW shows, right? Yes. How they do with the Berlanti verse? Have you ever heard of that? Like, do you watch those? Like Superman and uh, Supergirl, Arrow, yes. Yes. all that. I think that's what Disney's doing. I think Disney yes. is starting to set a few things up so that they can do yes. big crossover events and make big deals and sell subscriptions to Disney Plus. No, no, I agree. I agree totally. So with that, you know, I think I think that is 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 what they're doing for this. And and it, we're already seeing the first of them because we're going to see the. Um, the Boba Fett standalone TV show. Oh, right, right. So that's going to drop before the next season of Mandalorian now. Oh, is it? Well, the, the, the rumor was it's it's taken precedence for production over the, the next season of The Mandalorian. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm spreading false rumor there. But I'm that's certain okay. that's what I'd heard. You've heard it here first, folks. Dave, <laughs> talk to Dave if it's not true. <laughs> All my fault. <laughs> but no, but with that, like, um, I don't think he's out. I think he's returned to the core. I think, you know, and and um, they have that new set of Thrawn books and stuff like that that they've done to kind of build the backstory of Thrawn for people that want it and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I think that the next phase of Star Wars is going to rely heavily on Thrawn. 
And I think that maybe we see some sort of adaptation of the Heir to the Empire series of books, you know, and things like that. They could easily work Thrawn into the Project Resurrection. That was a big portion of those books was was cloning and and things like that. Yeah. Well, we've got loads of different stories going on again now, haven't we, though? Yeah. Because we've we've got just just as a couple, and they are they're intertwining to some extent. But you you've got the Mandalorian and the asset, uh, the the child. So he's been hunted by um, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon has a dark saber. Bo Katan is hunting the dark saber <laughs> again. So, so you've got a couple of stories there. And then he just crosses, uh, but it, this this story, like the Bo-Katan one, where I get the feeling Bo-Katan could come back into the Mandalorian story because she's potentially hunting the same person who is hunting the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. This time, you had the Ahsoka, which I think was more of a cross-cut of stories rather than two stories that align to each other. He just happened to need her... For the child, yeah, she just happened to need him to help her get one step closer to Thrawn. Yeah, but the, but that, they're past that's, them that's very good. And I, and even further to that, I think with Bo, I think it gives us a very, I think it gives us the opportunity to give the Mandalorian legs into something else, right? As of now, his what do they call their their group of Mandalorians? Not the they call them the Watch, the Children of the yep. Watch, right? Yeah. As far as we know, most of them were hunted out by the Empire after the events of season one, right? At least the yep. ones that were on um, the planet that he was on. Yes. So yep. this gives him a new sort of path with the Mandalorians to then also even maybe be able to remove his helmet, right? I mean, because that's kind of where... Because that was, that was one of the whole things, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like she gave him the in at the end when she said... She said something like of the to the effect of like if you ever like want to join us you're welcome yes. basically. Yes. She gave yeah. him an open invitation and I think they could use that to continue, you know. And he could other be than that, journey to becoming a true Mandalorian. Right, right. Right. Plus like we know like you said I think we don't know the we don't know what happened to the armorer. The armorer is really the only other person in his group of Mandalorians that we saw left alive at the end of season 1. Yes. Potentially, so his with his tribe basically yeah. decimated. He needs to go somewhere ultimately, or maybe it's just he's just a lone wolf for the rest of his life. You know, who knows? But yeah, I can easily see them working that in. I'm glad that you brought up the child. So, <laughs> so, so he finds her. You know, he says, "Hey, wait, Bo Katan sent me." You know, yes. gave her a little, gave her a little singe of the fire. I thought that was interesting. Yes, but. Uh, you know, as soon as she heard Bo-Katan's name, she kind of lets up. And then, you know, we cut to she's having a forced conversation with the child. And we learn the child's name. Now, what do you think of the child's name? I'm happy with it. Um, Are you? Yes. Um, and, and I've seen, I know Ali, for instance. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put words into his mouth here. But I know <laughs> that Ali and um, his girlfriend, Eileen, um, I know that they wouldn't disappointed by the name to some extent um and for me i I, i'm quite happy that his name has a almost like a harshness to it i think if it had been something cutesy 
and and babyish. I I would have really been unhappy with that. So if 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 it was called something I don't know I I, I like some some made up name that 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 sounded soft and cuddly, for me that that would have been a letdown because that would almost be Disney superimposing the idea that a small cuddly child toy sounds better if it's got a baby name. Um, but but a name which. If if you think in a hundred years' time, when Gorgu is an adult, then he'll have a name that suits him. If that makes sense, he can grow into the name. No, I like your your reasoning. Sounds better to me. I will say that when I, I when I initially heard it, I don't I don't like it. I'll agree with Ali. I was a little disappointed with the name they went with. But I also agree wholeheartedly with you. I don't necessarily want something cutesy and fluffy and, yes. and just to sell more toys. Like, I think that they could have made a better name. To me, it, I don't know, the name Grogu, it sounds like, it sounds like something you spit up. <laughs> like, it doesn't, there's, it's just, I don't know, of all the names in Star Wars, I just think that they could have made a better one, but. I do agree with you. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be like fluffy pink socks because it's it's a yes. cute name, right? Like, or yeah. or Yoda McYoda face. If you let the internet <laughs> decide things, right? Yeah. So I'm happy that they finally named him because yes. I, for one, am tired of everybody calling him Baby Yoda. Yeah. I also like, and you know, here stepping back into the episode, we now know he's not a clone. He was in the Jedi. Yes. And we know that he was being trained, but that somebody saved him from that. And like, who saved him from that? We don't know. And you know, we had all those questions. Have he? But have they been putting him in hyperspace, hypersleep of some type to like cart him around the universe and things? And I, I, I get the feeling that he's had a rough 30, 40 years. That that's they, the feeling I get because from what Ahsoka says, yeah, what Ahsoka said, right? Yes. And she said he's been suppressing his force power to survive. Yes, yes. And and he's been in hiding, but I'm assuming because of how long it takes his species for, for it to mature, he's having to get by with, with no language, with um, with an innate force ability that's, that's obviously been trained to some extent. Right. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't be able to do some of the things that we've seen him do. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and it also then calls into question how many of the younglings were potentially saved from the temple. Well, yeah, right. I mean, and who knows? Like outside of that, like you see in in Cal Kestis's yeah story in Jedi Fallen Order, right? I mean. They obviously had lists of force potential users too, who they had never tapped. So there's those people out there who were force potential who now are living regular lives. I did find it interesting when she when she mentioned better to let him grow older and let it fade. Yes, I do think that's interesting. That it's it seems almost like it's a muscle that needs to be worked out to stay strong, and it's not Ooh. like I think I think it's interesting that I think a lot like children and learning, you know, music and things when they're young, there's things that kids can pick up and absorb and just do intrinsically when they're young because they're of that age. But as you get older, if you don't do it, you get rusty at it or you're not as good as you once were. I found that to be very interesting, right? Because it's like, 
I just always kind of assumed you either had this ability to tap into it or you didn't. Like, I understand that it takes work to learn it and to have a more intimate knowledge of it. But I figured, I just figured once you got to a certain level, you always knew how to do it. Yes, and it didn't fade. That's a good point, though. But then I was also, but then that also made me think back to like um, Fallen Order again. Did you play that one? Yes. Yes. In that one, a lot of what you're doing as you're leveling your character up is him remembering the teachings of, of what his, his master taught him, right? That's a good point, though. So they kind of have reinforced that. So I find that to be very interesting as well. Like it's a <laughs> use it or lose it kind of thing, or, well, or at least not as you can't use it as readily as you would once before. So. I, I thought of that. That's, that's yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's an interesting dynamic that they've never really discussed in a mainstream yes. Star Wars. So yes. interesting concepts being added into the lore. I mean, last year we got much to a lot. Some people's chagrin, other people say it's okay. Force healing, right? Yes. Suddenly you can lay your hands and, and, and heal people back to, to, to normal. So. I, I remember at the time, one of the things that, that, it's quite a nice carryback, maybe, to the very first Star Wars, the, the A New Hope. Um, was the scene where we saw um, Obi-Wan Kenobi go to Luke when Luke had been attacked by the Sand People. And he leaned down beside Luke, put his hand on his head. Yes. And within a couple of seconds, Luke came round. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's, I, I'm like, if, if that's almost like a retconning to explain what he'd done back then. Maybe, maybe. I had always, in the books and stuff, they always talk about, like, there's a book where Luke gets stranded out in deep space. And he has to go into, like, basically a force meditation mm -hmm. where he slows his heart down to, like, nothing. Yeah. And, like, slows his breathing down to nothing so that he can basically survive until he can be found kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe it, Maybe it's a matter of, you know... I always assume with the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing that when he touched him is somehow he's peering into his mind to wake him back up through the force. Yeah. That was always kind of what I figured there. I had never quite gotten an idea that he was somehow healing him, although that's interesting to think of now in retrospect with what yeah. we've seen with the child and then Daisy, uh, uh, with Ray, with Daisy Ridley's character. So that's interesting. So where are we? We've got a name for this kid. You know, Ahsoka says... Well, Go ahead. I was going to say, one of the interesting things that she, she says there is yeah. she's, she's hesitant to train him because she senses fear within him. Right. And, and again, that then brings us back to... And attachment. Um, and attachment. And these are both things. And she even mentions, I've seen how that can go. Well, she's seen it. She's seen it firsthand more the, than the, most, the, right? The worst it could be. And on top of that, I mean, we know she knew ultimately from Rebels that Anakin became Darth Vader. And exactly. then she saw the out, yeah. outcome. She saw it full circle, right? Yeah. She saw it full circle, what, a, a good man become a monster. Well, well um, Yoda's, Yoda's infamous quote is, is fear leads to uh, anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering, well, it's the dark side. Dark side, right. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it definitely was uh, – it was one of those things where you're like, fuck, like you, you know, you know she knows having, yeah. having been there with her through it. And like 
that was one of the things in Rebels in that season when they when they fight in the Sith Temple and stuff. And when she real like you notice like they build up to it. You know, she starts to get an inkling, like she starts to feel his presence a bit, and like she's heard rumors a bit. Yes, but when yes. it's confirmed, like in that episode, the hate and or not the hate, but the 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 look of sadness on Ahsoka's eye when she anguish the anguish that she sees. You know what I mean? And 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 reconciling who this man is that she's been hearing about with the man she knew before. Yes. Just for that. I mean, obviously it had such a huge impact on her life that we're now seeing she's being presented with a very similar thing and she's unwilling now to take that risk. Yes. Because of it. So very hesitant. Yeah. And I did think it was very interesting. Just like we'd said, she said the Jedi orders fell a long time ago. Like she is even semi half admitted. There aren't Jedi anymore. Well, she never admits to being a Jedi. Right. I thought that was interesting, too. I thought maybe she would straight up say to him, like, I'm not a Jedi. She, she's so. happy for the people to draw that assumption because um, going going back to the settlement, they referred to her as a Jedi. Right. And and obviously, Bo-Katan's referred to her as a Jedi. So as far as the Mandalorian's concerned, she's a Jedi. Right. But she doesn't, dis, doesn't, doesn't disavow it. I think it's. I think it's like anything, right? You have that mythos, and you have that. It's a power. It's it's power. It's a way to invoke fear in those who sure. are fearful of it, and hope in in those. So I think, like any tool, she she does use it. But I also think that in, I think they've had enough screen time of her where they've she knows and she's made it known to the viewer that she knows she's not a Jedi. She doesn't yeah. consider herself one. So, yeah. Um, so let's see. Where was I? Uh, oh yeah. So we were talking about she. She refuses to train him, right? Yes. But then he kind of strikes up a deal with her, right? He says, "Yes, I'll help you save the settlement if you promise to train the kid." Yes. And so then we move into the next day, right? And we get what I think is a phenomenal set of uh, fight scenes and. Uh, and, and wonderful sets of dialogue. Better dialogue than we had from the yes. previous episode. Definitely agree with that. And, and yeah. I think that was, that was one of the comments that we had about the last episode, that the conversation wasn't the best. Whereas yeah. in this, it really, it was really strong dialogue between characters. Um, and it really, it really progressed the characters. Not not only the story, but also who they were and, and yeah. what they knew and how they interacted. It interact. felt very much like this episode had a story to tell. It knew the story it wanted to tell, and it wasted no time getting to it. And I really, it was very, it was very refreshing to see that, especially with a character that we've been long waiting to see. So, yeah, you know, uh, after she, so so she comes in, they storm the city. You know, I mean, basically. You know, Mandalorian takes care of like the inner city guards and is protecting the civilians while Ahsoka, you know, moves in for the showdown with I think her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth? Yeah. Elizabeth? Yes. But she there was a nice bit of misdirection at the very beginning because she throws down his shoulder pauldron. Yes. I like that. She killed him or she yes. got rid of him. They'd sent him, she'd managed to dispatch him. So build her myth a bit more. Yes, and not only that, but I think 
just from a cinematography standpoint, it was such a great way of showing, not telling. I think in a lot of current media, we get a lot of force-fed exposition. And I think this has been another instance in The Mandalorian where they show and they don't tell, and it's much the story's so much stronger for it. Yes. I agree. Yeah, exactly. It was a great misdirection. I was wondering if they would comment on it, and I was wondering how they would comment on it, and it was just delivered perfectly. Yes. No, no, I agree. Um, and I, I, did you see the the weapon that uh, Michael Bain was carrying? I don't know what the name of his character was. Uh, his name was Lang, L-A-N-G. Yeah. I, so I it was like a shotgun. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was like a shotgun. Because it even had like the sawn-off shotgun-style trigger mechanism. Yeah. And when he shot, it was like a burst effect. Like a spread. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, it's the first time we've seen something like that. Is it? I can't yeah, remember seeing yeah. another weapon that worked like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. We've seen flamethrowers, and we've seen assault rifles and pistols. We've seen we've seen a, a disintegrator. Right, his his long rifle disintegrator. Yeah. Right, we we've seen ion based weapons. Right, I don't think we've ever seen a, a shotgun style weapon. Hey, good pull, man. I don't think so. I think you're right. That that, that was another nice touch to this. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't think. I think you're right. I think that's the first time we've seen it. And. Okay, and and then and then, and then you, you went on this like hunting spree through the, the town itself with, yes. with the the soldiers and the the um, assassin droids hunting her, um, and again that that was so strongly samurai feel to it. Um, Very much so, and even so, to the like, he's like, yeah, and like he when the the droid jumps up and gets up onto it when he reaches yes. up and then like flings himself backwards up onto it, like yeah. that was really cool. That animation. Very cool. Whoever did that, props to you. It was so cool looking. It was, it was so smooth as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, in the traditional, the some of the droids weren't so smooth, right? So that's yeah. a, a nice addition with computer graphics is the ability to make them. I'll I tell you what, it reminded me of somewhat. You know, in the Clone War cartoons, the um, commando droids. Yes, yes. The ones that have the, they have like the big katana sword and then they have a gun too. And they have like yes. round red eyes and they're kind of like. The brown shorts. Sh like yeah. Head. They're yes. like infiltrator droids or something like that. Yes. And, and, yeah. and it was much more because they tended to be much more fluid when you saw them moving around. and Oh, even almost cat-like. Yes. The their movements are. They're very smooth and sleek compared to like your, your typical. Destructing yes. or your, your typical battle droid and your yeah. and your super battle droid, right? And then there was also those other ones that like um, the the ones that had the staffs. Yes, um, the Magna Guard. Yeah, yeah, and those like their staffs could resist lightsabers slightly. Did they ever get into that? I think that was them. Was it called cortosis that was used in the the material? I know they explain that in the books, but I don't know that they have ever really explained it in the movies. I didn't know if they had ever mentioned no. it or if it was in any sort of behind the scenes thing. No, I've I've not seen it in the movies. You just saw the the Magna Guard go up against the Jedi, but then they only really appeared in um, Revenge of the Sith, didn't they? And it, it was just just at the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith, so I'm not certain. 
whether at that point the, the Magna Guards managed to fight off the, the lightsabers. I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch um, Revenge of the Sith because there's that whole fight on the, that, the bridge there. Yes. And that would be, that'll be my reference. I'll have to check that out. I can't remember either. But anyway. So, <laughs> so Mando faces down Lang. To nobody's shock, the Mandalorian comes out on top. But, but a very Western feel with the gunsling. Very much. Very much. And I love that. Because, again, it, it, it almost, like, allowed the story to have the two themes lying side by side. Her mm -hmm. samurai feel, his gunslinger feel. Yeah. Yeah, and they married it up perfectly. And, and I think, um, and much to your point, like, the way they juxtapose those scenes together, because they do cut between the two yes. as you're... It's they're happening simultaneously and you're seeing it unfold simultaneously, which can be a little distracting or, or off putting in, in terms of time, whether yes. or not, because as we've discussed before, sometimes we don't know how much time has passed in these instances, but I think they did a phenomenal job letting you know that he's doing this. And at the same exact time, yes. we have this going on and the next thing. Plus, I mean, obviously there's the whole portion where him and Lang and he's like, Sounds like it's uh, gotten started in there. I, I really like that, though. I, I love the fact that they could hear the ringing of the, the blows against each other. Great. And, and so they had their own separate conversation of, of two, dare I say, almost like alpha male warriors facing <laughs> yes. off opposite sides. And they're having the conversation that, well, depend upon how it goes in there, we might not have to fight attitude. <laughs> yes. And I did it like that. Reminds me of, um, it kind of reminds me of the beginning of uh, Troy. Did you see that movie? Oh, God. Which one? The, the original Troy? No, this would have oh, been the one with Brad Pitt that they made in the, like, the late 90s. But there's that part in the beginning, basically. It, it, what movie it was is more about what they used to do, how they used to do war, where they were like, our best fighter versus your yes. best fighter. And everybody just lines up and is like, okay, if, if he wins, then it's over. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's very much that same sort of thing. It's like, well, maybe if they sort it out, we don't got to do nothing. Yeah, we can just walk away happy. We can just have, go have a pint at the, at, at the local cantina, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And, like, I, what I thought would have been a little better would have been to have a little more knowledge as to, like, was he part of, was Lang part of the Empire then? Or was he just some, because he I didn't. I got the feeling he was a hired good. I did too. I got the feeling he was like a mercenary. So yes. but it would have been nice to have gotten some sort of confirmation to understand a little bit more of his motivation, I think. Because yes. otherwise it just seems he's unnaturally loyal to this woman to a fault. <laughs> At true, least true. But yeah, because he wasn't. Well, I suppose she wasn't necessarily wearing a uniform. She was more in robes. And then... But she had traditional, soul. like, black and red, like, yeah. empire-type Gideon robe. You know, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, he, um, the, the, the foot soldiers all wore those, almost like uh, masks with the, 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 the evaporator. Or the evaporator breathers, yeah. yeah. Um, but they all wore a, a, a uniform. Whereas he was different, he he was he was neither. Yeah, I noticed that enough, but I noticed that they didn't make any mention as to who he was beyond that. So I thought that was interesting. I wonder if they'll, they may never get to it, but it was just there was something I noticed. I was like, 
would have been nice to have a little more info on him. Yes, yeah. and, and potentially we, we won't because he's 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 dead. Uh, well, yeah. So a little yeah. hard now. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So you know he kills her. They're 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 facing off inside what basically looks like a feudal Japan Japanese pagoda, right? Yes. Bridge with water on the side. Yeah. Also, side note: Did she get her lightsaber back? All yeah. I could, all I could yeah. think of when he, when she disarmed him, I was like, like master, like apprentice. Like, how many times did did Anakin lose his lightsaber? True, it became a running joke, didn't it? It did, it did so much so, right? And so that led me into all sorts of side questions that I didn't even need to be having. Like, can you? What happens if you get a lightsaber wed? I mean, Obi Wan and and. Um, Qui-Gon went into the water to go to yes. there, so they must be able to get wet. Like, do you have to clean it? <laughs> you know what well, I mean? I, I, I would say it's fine. Um, and I suppose you could just lift it out with a force because it, it would have a, a kyber uh, crystal, yeah. wouldn't it? So so she's attuned to the kyber crystal, so she she should be able to summon a lightsaber. Fair enough. Luke, if Luke, or if, if Yoda can pull a, an X-Wing out of a deck of a swamp, she can pull a lightsaber out of a clean yeah. koi pond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair exactly. We, we, we saw her um, hold up a shuttle in midair. So. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, so I, the fight the fight inside there, what did you think of, of the choreography? Did you Were you satisfied with it? Yes. I mean, yes. I know most of this is a foregone conclusion, this hour and one minutes of our love letter to this episode, but I felt it was really cool, and I, I like that they established early that Beskar, you know, could take lightsaber blows, yes. because otherwise this is a real short fight, and yes, obviously she's trained with this spear, Yes. so I thought it was, I thought it was a very good way, I thought it was a great little matchup, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a fun, you know, way to see Ahsoka's talents, and to see her go up against an opponent who's not necessarily just some poor, some poor dude who's running through a dark forest getting sliced up by a lightsaber. True. You know, yes. It, it was it was more up. a battle of equals. Yeah. Well, and I was wondering because, you know, much to Ali's point, like once you have a the lightsaber is kind of a trump card unless you got more lightsabers lying around because yeah. it cuts through pretty much everything. Yeah. So. You know, they, there had to be some sort of explanation for that. And I think that that, I think it was handled well, you know. Yeah. And so we know she's there. We know she's going after Elizabeth here because why? Because she has information that Ahsoka needs. And what's that information, Dave? Where is Thrawn? Right. The question. Which has got we, to be an amazing question. Oh, it took my it, like the breath came out of me. I thought maybe she would ask for Ezra. Maybe she's looking for yes. Sabine at this point. I did not expect Grand Admiral Thrawn's name to come out of her mouth. Did you? No, no, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Yeah. That was, oh my God. <laughs> As I said, my wife kind of had fallen asleep towards the end. And when she's like, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? I gasped so loud that it woke her up. And she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, Grand, Adm Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And she was like, okay. And for her, luckily, you know, I've written some things for our website and mostly about Thrawn because I have always been a huge fan of Thrawn, even before Rebels, even before, you know, the current things that we have going on because I've read, you know, Timothy Zahn's books since, you know, I was, I bought, 
Heir to the Empire back in 98 or whenever it was when it released. I bought a new copy of it. So for me, that character has held so much weight because of the way in which Zahn writes his stories and builds it. It's almost Tolkien in nature Mm. because he focuses so much on language and culture and art that like he builds a very full, he builds a very full world when he writes. I, I've always, uh, some Star Wars books, they're fun, they're, they're a nice time, but they really, they're just a little fluffy, you know? Yeah. His stuff seems so, it's like Dave Filoni's Clone Wars, it's like George Lucas's original trilogy, it, it builds yeah. more into the story and makes it better for it, so. I agree, totally. He's such a good author. Yeah, and like, you know, I mean, he, you know, of all the books that they could have chosen from, I'm so glad that they chose to bring in Thrawn. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Totally agree. So, so, so what's, what's your view? Did Ahsoka find out what she wanted? So I was wondering that too, because obviously they cut immediately and we don't hear her response. No. But I read online, most people seem to think that she got the information she needed. Now, I'm going to say she did simply because in the beginning she said, I'll never tell you. She said, I'm not asking. Like, we saw. Huh? Well, I'll take it from you. Right. I mean, we've seen Kylo Ren do that to people. Yeah. We've seen Mace Windu. Right. And we saw Anakin do it. Yes. um, In the Clone Wars as well. So, And she was around for that. So we know she's seen it and we know it's possible. And I think, like I said, I got a very Force Unleashed vibe from this whole episode where we're seeing a fully trained person who has a singular focused mind and is not willing to let anything get in the way of that and he's no longer a jedi right she doesn't have the qualms of the jedi order anymore no no i don't think she's going to become a homicidal youngling murdering darth vader but i also don't think that she's too worried about violating somebody's mind when she needs the information from especially that person is torturing people anyway correct when you're torturing a despotic ruler, a lot of people give you a lot of slack for that, right? I mean, well, <laughs> well, Geneva Convention aside, right? <laughs> so, my, my next question then, yeah, did she survive the encounter? I think so, because I, while, while Ahsoka doesn't have any qualms about killing somebody who is trying to kill her. I don't see her just murdering somebody in cold blood. Okay. She needed the information, so it was disarm, get the information. It wasn't eliminate. So I don't see her then getting the information and being so callous that she just kills that the person. Yeah. yeah. Especially considering we know that because of her roots and things like that, she helped to build the rebellion to a degree, right? As, as um, yeah. what was her code so name? She's, so she's as, as Fulcrum. So. As, from, right so she's still good right so i think and and i think that i think that this show is doing a lot of that i think it's challenging the viewer into what's good and what's bad based on these preconceived notions in star wars we have right and i think to a larger extent that is the comment on the jedi order towards the end of revenge of the sith right yes. they have gone so far beyond what their original edict of being guardians and peacekeepers to being warriors and being almost bloodthirsty to the point where they had lost their way. So, and the season five of the Clone Wars goes even further to basically point out that 
when Ahsoka left, she became more of a Jedi than when she was part of the Jedi because she was going back to the roots of being a peacekeeper and defending the defenseless and not just signing up to go out to war and, and yeah. do those sorts of things. So, well, I, I, yeah. I, I also found that in this episode and, and also in, in the season so far, when you look at the Westerns that we probably both grew up with, the, 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 the Clint Eastwood style Clint Westerns, Eastwood, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Yul Brynner, the, the Magnificent Seven, that type of thing. But you also, when you have a look at these, these martial arts movies of, of 20, 30 years ago, which would both have been quite heavy influences for both John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah, you can definitely see some, like, Enter the Dragon type influences on portions. Yes, but but you also have, within both those Westerns and the Samurais, and, and to be honest, the Westerns, the spaghetti Westerns, there's a lot of a lot of them grew out of Samurai movies of, of a few decades before, but you had this slight ambiguity of who is good, and at what point does a good person become evil? But, but conversely, at what point does someone who might be bad do something which is so good and prepared to sacrifice for good? And have that redemption arc, yeah. Yes. No, you're right. The, the, the quintessential hallmark of Spaghetti Westerns is the anti-hero. And it, yes. And not only that, but I mean, we are in a post-Spaghetti Western era, obviously, because that was long ago, but... Think about all the shows now. We have Breaking Bad. All the yeah. all the top level shows are all about people who aren't necessarily good people. You shouldn't really be rooting for some of these people. Yeah. So it's the complexity well, you, of those. You've got in the superhero world. You've you've got Daredevil. You've right. got Punisher. Punisher. You've got yeah. Batman. Right, right, right. And like that, there, I seen a comic for Batman where it was like. Or maybe it was on SNL where it was like a support group for people who had been attacked by Batman. And they were like, yes. they're like, no, man, I just stole some M&Ms and he broke my back. <laughs> like, to a degree, it's like, oh, yeah, like maybe not everybody deserves that level of retribution justice or vigilante justice. So, yeah, I, it's interesting to see Disney approach more mature, you know, themes like that. You know, and I get that. I don't think, as we've discussed on here, they have their shows where resistance is more for children. It's geared towards children. The themes are simpler. The storylines are simpler and moralistic and probably wrap up a little bit more, you know, night with, with a nice neat bow and don't really yeah. make you think too much beyond what they're trying to. So, and I think with the, I think with the live action stuff, especially the Mandalorian and, and some of the scenes like we've talked about, you know, he's ruthless to a degree in yes. certain instances, you know. Well, like, this episode was a 14. It was what? It was a 14. It flashes up when the first, when they, the, maybe it doesn't in the US, I don't know. But in the UK, when the episode starts, oh. you get a 14 up in the corner. You know, I don't ever look at those, but that's interesting. I've, I, I didn't notice that, but I'll have to, I'll have to double check. Did they, what are the other ones rated at? Well, I think um, the Bo-Katan one was a 13. Interesting. So not all of them are. Yeah. And I think it's the ones where, where like in this episode, where you saw Ahsoka kill people. Because it, it, the... it, yeah, it wasn't just 
a face, well, I suppose they were faceless to some extent because they, they were all wearing masks, but it wasn't hidden. It wasn't disguised. She was she was carving them up and walk, wading through them. Yeah, and I definitely saw, I at least there's at least one shot where I, I know that what the intent probably was is they probably wanted the shot to be of her lightsaber through the dude's chest, but they didn't yes. do that. Yes. Because the way they shot it, it gives you that same mental visual that you've seen in other things, but they didn't do it on screen. Because yes. you can see the lightsaber poke out the side of him, and he falls, and yes. she's got her lightsabers held like she does. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I can see that. I can see the the drawing that somebody did where that lightsaber is going through that dude's chest and making a hole. You know, but obviously Disney probably was like, we need to dial that back a little bit. So but, they they, they, have, but, they, like, but they did have the final gunslinger scene where he was shot. I know. So, and I've always found that very interesting, right? Like, you see her slice people up in the beginning, but no limbs are lost. Nope. No. <laughs> uh, there's no, obviously, most of the time with lightsabers, you don't really get blood because of the instant cauterization due to yep. the heat. So I'll give you that. But are we to believe she's... I guess we're to believe she's so precise that she's not lopping off arms and legs and torso. Maybe putting a torso in half. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue she has the fucking, she has the force, you know, and she, she has so much control of the force that she can make that precise of a, of a swipe, I guess. In the, in the opening scenes, when you saw her in the forest against the troopers, she cut through the tree both ways. Right. And the guy was on the other side of the tree. Like the trooper slides down. I didn't notice that, but you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah. Actually, one thing which I think we did miss. Sorry. just I'm jumping all the way back to, to an yeah, early sure, scene. Yeah, sure. Was when um, the Mandalorian, uh, Jin Jajaran, was, was looking for Ahsoka. Did you see in the forest above him was the owl? I did see the owl. I, you're right. We did forget to discuss that. Yes. And I've, I've, I've also, I mean, you know, obviously we saw it at the end of the Clone Wars because the owl was there when, and when Vader came back and stuff. Yes. So I think, you know, I'm wondering if and when we're going to get more on that because, you know, for those, for, for most people who've watched the Clone Wars and seen the Mortis arc, you know that Ahsoka was saved by the daughter and, and part of her was transferred into her. And now, Forever, Ahsoka has, you know, this semi... Now, my question to you is this on that. She represents the owl. Is the owl like a spirit guide, like a force ghost-like type reverie that only she can see and that only, you know... Or is it an actual corporeal, physical I, thing? I think it's the latter. I, I, yeah. think, I think it's almost like, um, you know, the Lothwolves. Yes. Because okay. we know that, that that's an animal entity that can interact with the Force and is aware of the Force. Good point, good point. No, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I like that. I, I was curious because because she came from that place in between, you know, I didn't yeah. know whether she existed physically or not, you know. I say but, she, the, yeah. the, the owl or whatever, you know, whatever it's called. Yes, I, I, I think it is a physical manifestation. Okay. But possibly, probably of a spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I can see why, like you said, like with the Loth Wolves, like where they can interact with the Force and to a degree open that plane between yes. things. So, you know, seeing it, uh, seeing, being, being in different places and not having 
gone there in a ship doesn't necessarily negate yes. the fact that it could still be a physical thing that is somehow going between worlds, right? Yes, yes. Interesting, yeah. I, 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 I like the way that was done as well, because you, you didn't need... If, if you had no awareness of the owl and the, the, what the owl means... It just looked like another living creature in the forest while Mandalorian's wandering through the forest. And the same thing with the loaf cat that jumped across. Yes, yes. I saw that and I was like, ooh, loaf cats. <laughs> yes, because you saw that a couple of times inside the city. Yeah, yeah. And, so it's, it, Yeah, right. it was nice. It's a nice nod. It's, it's, great. it's great extra cherry on top, but it's yeah. not needed for people who don't know necessarily, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I did, I will say that when I finished watching that, I was like, I, I was like, I'm going to bed. I was like, I got to go back to Rebels. <laughs> I got, I was like, I got to go watch some stuff because I got questions about things because I had, I it had been a while since I watched Rebels and especially like that last those those last two seasons of Rebels are just like, yes. you know, the, so yes. there's so much that happens. It's so yes. dense and so many, you know, galactic shifting events occur within yes. those last few seasons and I was like, I got to go look at this and, and remind myself on a few things. And I started watching some of it and I was like, man, I might just need to rewatch this whole series. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like lore as well. The amount of lore that, that Dave Filoni shoehorned into those last few seasons. Oh, it's reminiscent of what George Lucas did with the prequels. And I think I had commented on a previous podcast about that. The, the stark contrast between the sequel trilogy and the world building that was done versus what yes. George Lucas did in the prequels. Yes. At the time, nobody liked the prequels, similar to the way that people, some people don't like the sequel trilogy now. But it, in looking at them in hindsight, what George was able to do in the prequel trilogies that are now, for the most part, people love them. You know, yes. I think yeah. there's still people that don't like them and don't prefer them. But the, the, the visceral internet hate for them isn't quite what the sequel trilogies is right now. No. But... In hindsight, having the two to compare, as I was saying, there's no doubt that this has so much more going on than this. And you're yes. in the sequel trilogy, per se. So, again, we're seeing what Dave Filoni do the same thing in two episodes, two seasons of the Clone, two, three seasons of the Clone Wars, you know, where he took a, a show that was very episodic, that while it had some elements that were plot forwarding, Nothing was as forwarding as the last few seasons, and especially season five with the Siege of Mandalore, yeah. right? So, and the whole, you know, turning of, of Anakin into, into Vader from, from that perspective, to see how the other members of the council perceived it and felt it through the Force and the impact that it had, you know, and what other thing events were going on in the galaxy. No, no, it's true. It, we've said it a few times on our recordings, and we've said it, we've said it, as so many times, Dave Filoni is a worthy successor yeah. of, of George Lucas. I don't think anybody gets Star Wars like Dave Filoni does. Um, I trust and, him implicitly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 John Favreau. I'm 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 not saying that John Favreau it, it, it doesn't get it as well because I think he does. Um, oh, definitely. I I I would say that. Whilst this is John Favreau's overall story, I I would suggest he's leaning quite heavily upon Dave Filoni's knowledge. Agreed. 
And you and and kind of I started watching the Disney Galaxies thing, the behind the scenes on the Mandalorian because yep. I never. You guys had talked about it, and at the time I was real busy. But since I'm so hyped up, I was like, I got, I need more Mandalorian. So I started watching it, and I felt it was very interesting how they presented it. And when Dave was talking about how he first got his job at Lucasfilm Animation and stuff, and how he thought it was a prank, and how yeah. he was like, he goes, when they called me, I kind of was like, yeah, right, who is this? And like, he's like, I almost talked myself out of a job, you know. And he goes. And I'd always been into Star Wars. He goes, and this was, you know, kind of before, just after the prequels. You know, we knew that stuff was coming. Revenge of the Sith was about to come out. Yeah. You know, so it was very interesting to see him and to realize that much like John Favreau is with Marvel and those things, he truly is a fan. He truly yes. is a person who comes from a position of fandom who has been given the opportunity to tell stories and, can, and has the ability to do it. Yes. Yes. And, you know, more power to him. Somebody make sure they're protecting Dave Filoni, please. Just protect yes. that man with your lives because we need more <laughs> Star Wars from him. Yes, <laughs> no, no, to totally, totally agree. Um, so, so I suppose getting, getting back to... Getting back to it. <laughs> so she's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. I think, I think the, uh, the Imperial Lady's still alive. I don't think she cold-bloodedly murdered her. But then it's the next day. We see the guy that uh, Mando initially tried to talk to in the village. We yeah. see that they seem to have uh, made him the governor in her stead, it seems, yeah. right? Yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, it's I kind of like, that's another portion of the showing and not telling, right? Yeah. We see the resolution and they don't need to tell us. Like, no. the, they've been liberated. They have a new interim governor. Obviously, Ahsoka's going to hang out for a little bit and maybe, you know, East transitions along based on her her past and stuff. But what she doesn't do is, is she goes back on her deal for rate for training the child. She does. That's not very Jedi of her. No. You but... said she's not a Jedi. What do you think of that? I mean, I am not surprised. I was the one, if you remember, who said there's no way they're separating the Mandalorian and the child. I said they're going to figure out a way to keep them together. And they sort of did that with her dialogue, talking about how this child has connected with you. Yes. I, I quite like, again, I, I, I like the way they did that because they built it all up so that he was giving up the child. He was, he was, this was the end of their journey together. Um, well, I think he thought that. I don't know that he, as a viewer, I was ne never really convinced of but, that, obviously. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, they built it up that way, which sure. I thought was really nice. And, yeah. and it really allowed you to see the connection between the pair of them. Um, I thought it was cute at the end where he's like, it's, it's, he's like, it's, it's time to, it's time to go. Yeah. And that thing was, and the child's just like, no, I'm going to stay here and sleep. Like, you yeah. can't make me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I did like that, and and it shows how close their connection is, doesn't it? It does, and I think this is where somebody had commented on somebody had commented on the Twitter feed basically that all the episodes have been great except for the second one, and they, it still seems to be a pretty common thing. And this is my take on that: is that the second episode proves to show you that that the connection between them isn't one way. The connection is on both sides. He's just as connected to that child as the child is to him because yeah. he's assumed this parental guardianship role, right? He's 
teaching this child what's right from wrong. Don't eat the offspring of the person that we're trying to help. You know, yes. Yes. don't teach, wander try off. Try to teach, teach right from wrong. Right. So he's be, he's taken on this mentorship role, and I think I think that the second episode served strictly to show you that connection, so that when Ahsoka makes that assertion that we as the as the audience go well yeah that makes sense because of x y and z yeah, that's quite good though i yes whilst, and, whilst I, I i enjoyed that second episode i know some people felt it was off i really enjoyed it but now that you just said that 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 reinforces the fact that it wasn't just a throwaway episode because I, I didn't think it was but but some people's view of it was it was a bit yeah. more throwaway episode but yeah. but yeah your your view of that reinforces that it wasn't a throwaway episode yeah they don't they don't do anything by mistake in this nothing none of this none of what they're showing you they didn't spend all this money and do all this to just do throwaway episodes right true true i I must admit it does feel quite tight this is a season it does and i think that um i think with the success of the first season and them really because how involved was feloni in the first season his name was all the way through it, the same as this was one. It? I couldn't remember, because I know he was, like, consulting and stuff. I couldn't remember yes. if he'd actually directed and stuff and things he like did, that. He did one episode, I think, last time. The same okay. as this. Or maybe two. But, but yeah, so... Yeah, I think in one, one or two. But his name was all the way through it, the same as it has been on this one. Yeah. I definitely feel like with the success of season one and how well it did and how many subscriptions it drove for them that... Yeah. This season, they were much more willing to let them... Ha- Not to say that they were maybe constrained before, but I think that the op- opportunities opened up more. When you're that successful, you go to your people and you go, we want to do this, but it's going to cost this. Some, If you're not doing well, they're going to be like, well, no. But if you're doing well, usually at least the first two seasons, three seasons of a show, the, the budget goes up and up and up until later seasons where they starting to try to reduce the budget and then you yes. start to lose out on certain effects and yeah. special prop scenes and stuff like that you know talking of effects now uh, this is one thing i did notice in this episode that i really liked was the the use of the force by ahsoka and by the child but it was in a much more natural way because when when we first seen the Force, um, going back forty years or so, and you saw Luke and you saw Yoda, even Yoda, when Yoda was trying to lift the X wing, it was still taking concentration from Yoda and, and what have you. And the way that he was instilling into um, Luke that Luke had to be able to concentrate to use the Force. So that, that that was pretty much the way that that was pushed, and then right. and then jump, jump forward twenty years or so, and we saw um, Anakin um, in um, the, the possibly the, the worst scene. You talking um, about the feed palace scene with the fruit? Yes, where he's, he's <laughs> that 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 pear thing that he cuts yeah. off and, yes. and he slices it. Oh, <laughs> the I worst always, scene. I always attributed. Yoda lifting the thing out and having a little bit of a little bit more um, trouble with it in that he was at that point in a very senior age. True, true. And much as we learned, 
I don't know how much was was Yoda sitting around Dagobah training. Was he utilizing the Force in those manners? Maybe he was rusty on that. As we've learned, mm-hmm. it seems if you don't use it, you kind of get rusty with it. So maybe he's like, I haven't forgot how to do it, but it's going to take me a quick second to get it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make I, a point. yeah. Consider that. That's, that's possible. But but so so when when we saw Anakin using it there. I think it was it was really it was because it was it was CGI was brand new to cinema in this way sure. and George Lucas went too OTT with it whereas whereas what what we saw well gone I was going to say that's tr- I I agree but I have a fun quick just a quick sidebar do you know what Star Wars movie has the most practical um, assets like oh. real real life miniatures and stuff like that. Why of, the, of the nine movies, which one has the most practical miniatures and special? Oh, that's what you mean. Um, I think the answer Empire will surprise you. Back. Phantom Menace. Uh, well, I knew, I knew that they said that they were going to do that. Like the whole pod racing scene, they built that whole stadium as a miniature and like. I've watched it on some of the things like some of the behind the scenes stuff where they talk about what they really did was and what what people didn't like was is they took the film and then passed it through the computer to clean things up. Uh And what that did was is at the time. Your brain can whether you know it or not, your brain can differentiate between what's real and what's been somewhat faked. Yes, but the, I think the, the uncanny alley, the uncanny valley. Yes, valley. And I think to a degree, it was it was clean enough, but not good enough to where some people just had that had a problem with the way it looked. Like their brain yes. couldn't reconcile what they were seeing, yeah. and their brain's like, "It's fake, it's fake, it's fake, it's not real," and they couldn't get past that, you know. And then, obviously, 10, 15 years later, now they've got it down to a T, and it's a hundred and at 60 hertz and, uh, uh, and 60 frames per second, and it's better than your eye looks, you yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah I, I do think he may have went a little overboard with it, you know, in terms of let's use it on everything when it, when it didn't necessarily need to. But as you were saying, the, the, the fruit scene. Yes. So, so whilst, whilst it didn't have, like, the straining version of how force... The, 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 he, George Lucas was attempting to portray... That use of the force is a natural thing, and that's why Anakin could do what he he did. But because of the technology they were using, there was that disconnect, and it, it, yeah. it didn't work as well as George Lucas probably would have liked. Whereas what I saw in this episode was when you saw Ahsoka with the stone, and then when you saw the um, Goku uh, take the, uh, the 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 the, top of the little. Yeah, the, the little, the, the, the little top ball of the, the joystick knob. thing. Yeah, uh, that just felt so smooth and so clean and so real, effortless. Yes, 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 yes. effortless. Both in the use of the force from a, a mystical perspective, but effortless in the use of CGI as well. Yeah, and and I I I, I think that's possibly the cleanest use of the force that we've seen yeah i can agree with that i mean even with even in the sequel trilogy because ray was you know a learner right like 
even her stuff is strained, right? Yes, and it was always it was always in we, we saw the use of the force in conflict when when the the protagonists were aggressive and 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 concentrating and and battling with wills as much as as bodies yeah. whereas this was it's just there it happened i can do it yeah it's just accepted Cause, and and thinking back on it even further in empire when luke is in the ice cave right and yes. he's trying to reach for yes. his lightsaber it jitters Yes. Now, one could argue that it's been iced in a little bit, but like I feel like now, if it was done, it would be as simple and effortless as he reaches for it and it slides right out into his hand, right? Like that's the difference I think that you're, yes. you're that we're discussing, and and yeah, I haven't quite noticed that, but you're right. There has been a subtle shift in in that it's it's almost a reflex versus a strained yes. focusing of your effort, right? It, again, when we've seen. Uh... Um, the child used the force previously. He's used it in moments of passion or moments of of anger or or aggression. So when he lifted the mud horn, right. when he choked Cara Dune and, and what have you, it's it's been in moments of heat of some form, and, which and, leads further to what Ahsoka was saying about his emotional state. Yes, so he tends to use the force. For aggressive purposes. Well, yeah, any any use of the force in a, with emotion is is a path to the dark side, right? Yes, yes. Huh. Okay. So she says I can't train him. However, there is a there's a Jedi temple on Tython, mm. and perhaps if you go there and you connect with the force, you may find somebody. Who yes. So with that, who do you think? We're gonna find. We're back to we're back to the Jedi question. He's he's we're still looking for a Jedi. We are. So okay, yeah. okay. So so Jedi that we know. Luke Skywalker. Yep. Kyle Katarn? He, well, he's not been in it yet, so I, well, I right, I, right. I would hazard that. I, I I would love for them to bring that back in, but I don't know if they will. Um but, but okay, Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis. I mean, he's a possible. Uh, he needs Ezra. to be a bit older than than uh, Monahan, the uh, Cameron Monahan, the guy that portrayed Cal. Yes. But you can easily age. It's much yeah. easier to age an actor up than it is to de-age them with computer software right now. Yeah. So, I mean, how old is he? He's he's probably about thirty. He's probably in his thirties, like me. I think he's around the same age as me. Yeah. So yeah. maybe so even the, younger. Yeah, the character would be. Well, I think the character would be about the same age as Ahsoka, so he'd be about 40-ish. Yeah, I would say he's probably about the same age as Ahsoka, considering their timelines. You know, yeah. He was around for the Purge, and he was a, he was a youngling. Um, yeah. He might even be younger than Ahsoka in that regard, because I think... Bit. Yeah, because yeah, he was probably Ahsoka, 12, 13. Yeah, because Ahsoka was a Padawan... But she was also. Did they ever? Ma they made her a Jedi Knight eventually, correct or no? No, no, she was still a Padawan. Okay. So, she, so she was. She was about fifteen at the end of the Clone Wars. Right, right. So, Cal Kestis would have been about twelve, thirteen, I think. Twelve, thirteen, yeah. So, just by a couple years then. Yeah. So yeah, and I know. I mean, obviously, they made that game, and that that's Disney oriented. So that's he's definitely a Jedi that would be alive at this time. Yeah. 
As for Bridget? Yeah, but I mean, they haven't even made any comment about him. Like, right. she didn't, Ahsoka didn't say anything about Sabine or Ezra. I mean, granted, I love that she brought up Thrawn, and I'm happy that yeah. that's the thing. And obviously, maybe that's where they're going with that. And hopefully we get that. But, ugh. But yes, Ezra, obviously, would definitely be a Jedi that is potentially alive. We don't know, because yeah. we don't know the fate of Ezra. No. Um, I, I don't think... I, I've seen speculation that it might be Leia, but I don't think Leia would have been by this time. Oh, interesting you brought that up. So I had a very... I watched the holiday special, right? And I thought it was very interesting how little they had Leia in it. The, the, the Lego holiday special. The Lego holiday special. The, yeah. Or uh, Life Day, the Life Day thing. Did you watch it? I've not seen it yet. Oh, okay. Well, then I won't ruin don't, it for don't you. Worry, don't worry, don't worry. That's not really here nor there, but I'll be... While you're watching it, do that. I'd like to, I'd like to get your opinion on it once you've seen it because I'm very, I was very interested in the, the, the way they structured the plot and like around like the, the plot of the story. Like, I feel like there was room for that and they, I feel like that's something they miss. So I'll be interested to get your opinion mm-hmm. on that. Right. Okay. See it. okay. Um, so yeah, I, we... I, I don't, I don't think, cause this is around the same time that Kylo Ren was being born. About five years, because yeah, five cause, years after Jedi, yeah, because because if you because what um, Force yeah, Awakens Force is Awakens what is that thirty years later? Thirty years, I believe. Yeah, so he's probably about twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, and the Force Awakens, he's definitely in his twenties, twenty-five. So I, I oh, think, yeah? yeah, so I think this is around the time that he's probably being born. Is it wrong of me to hope that Kylo Ren's not in it? <laughs> well, it, he, he's too young. He'd be a well, he'd be Ben Solo. You know, nappy. <laughs> that actually <laughs> might younger be younger than the child. I, I I rescind my previous comment. That actually might be interesting to see. <laughs> I love Adam Driver as an actor. I think he's a yeah. tremendous actor, and I think he's one of the single saving elements of yes the sequel trilogy in his in the way he portrayed Kylo Ren. So I don't have any problem with that. So who who else? I might mean, you you potentially by look of it, Vader wasn't as good as we first thought at hunting down the Jedi. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, you hear all sorts. There's, there's of a few that slipped through the net by the look of it. Yeah, um, I, I I've seen suggested that Mace Windu. So yeah, that is one of the more interesting things that I've heard recently. But I I don't know, man. How do you survive? survive? That Samuel L. Jackson's in this. How do you survive that, though? He's a Jedi. We got like charbroiled barbecued with with electricity. I can't say his wits were about him. What do you mean, Darth Maul was cutting it off? Yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's a good point. It is a good point. It's possible. Anything's possible in Star Wars. Is it is it the right age? Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Like, it's what? It's about thirty years or so after his demise, and he would have been about thirty-five, forty-ish as a as a Jedi at the time. So he'd now be sixty-five, seventy. Samuel L. Jackson is what? what about sixty, sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. Would he be alive? 
Well, that's the thing. Did he did he survive what happened? Well, I mean, even okay. Let's say he survived. I mean, would he be? How old would Mace Windu be then? That's what that's what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean. yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if, if Mace Windu would have been 35, 40 ish at the okay. end of Attack of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, so it's about 30 another... years later. Well, even. Oh, right. Because it's Return of the Jedi. So, yeah, another 30 years. So, so yeah, he'd be, in a, he'd be like Obi Wan, right? Yeah. That's Maybe that. a little older. Obi Wan. Because he was already a master, wasn't he? He was already a master when Obi Wan. And was not a... only was he like a master, but he was like one of the top members of the yeah. class. Like he held a lot of sway, and he—I yeah. mean, when it came to it, it was like him and Yoda, and then everybody yeah. else, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you really get the rest, were just yes men. Um, so yeah, that's that's a possibility. But I think we've also neglected one other possibility, and that it's maybe somebody we've never met. Well, there is that. There is and that. Honestly, I think that could be the best way to go because it. I think a lot of what hamstringed the sequel trilogy is that it wasn't far enough in the future and it wasn't different enough to where they were trying to do too much fan service and trying to do too. They're so you're so by bringing in known characters, you're so held into what their story is and what their narrative is that I think if they bring in somebody you don't know now, suddenly you get a new character, you get new exploration, new stories and new, 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 new. As a, as somebody who's writing for the Mandalorian, I would prefer that over being like, oh no, can't write that because this happened on episode twelve of season three of the Clone Wars, and that would oh, negate that's that. A good point. So that's a very good point. Maybe we get another Jedi. I also don't think that it will be in this. I get the feeling that we may get an idea of of a um, location of where they need to go. And I get the feeling that that will be because what episode are we on now? So that was well, there's three more. There's three more of this season. So there's only three more of this season. Um, the actor who plays Gideon has mentioned basically that he had to stay in shape for a very important scene this season. Well, yes, and and now we know that um, uh, Giancarlo you know, Esposito is, and, and he's got the right weapon to go up against Moff Gideon now. Right. Right. You know, so it's very, I, I think that what we get is we get a little bit of a peek into what we'll be doing in season three, and then we'll be wrapping up season two and some of the things that were outstanding there. I, I, I'm more and more inclined to think like what you guys have been saying, that maybe it's really only going to be three seasons. Mm, possibly, yes. I, mean, I was going for four. It was Alex who's suggesting three. Right. I definitely could see four. I, I, I want it to be like Clone Wars. I want it to be, you know, seven seasons. But as long as the quality doesn't dip, right? Like, that's the big thing, right? And, yes. And making sure. So in terms of how the other episodes have progressed and the amount of, of new and, and plot forwarding that we've gotten, they've only got three episodes, and they've got a, there's so many threads moving right now. Yes. And obviously not everything's going to get wound up this season. And, you know, I'm fine with that. I I think do you do you think that we get to the issue of Bo-Katan recovering the dark saber this season in three episodes initially I would have said that that would have been a much bigger plot device in this season but yeah no now I'm thinking no now I'm thinking later no. I I think Moff Gideon will still be in it next time agreed I I think I, what we could see in this 
is a little bit like what we've seen in Rebels previously, where the Moff Gideon and um, the Mandalorian face off, but there's no victor at the end of it. Or, or they both walk away from it because something else happens. I agree. And I think I, I think that, yes, we'll get a... Somewhere in there, their paths will cross or there will be some way in which, uh, you know, Gideon seemingly... Much like Thrawn in Rebels, where he would constantly have traps yes. set and then they would somehow get away from them. I, I feel the same sort of setup coming here. And I think that... What I want to say, while I want, I mean, the Star Wars fan of me is like, I want to know what happens with the Darksaber. <laughs> I think that what we'll get more likely is, is we'll get a glimpse at what Gideon has been working on. We're going to, because those troopers that he had in, the ones that were on the base that they infiltrated on Navarro. Yep. Those were like not even fully formed or whatever, or, or as yep. you stated, that's part a second part of a project that is is of a greater project and isn't necessarily directly. But when they cut to the scene on the Star Destroyer or what yeah. do they call those ones? Interdictor class cruisers. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, they. I, I think no. I think it was a. Uh, was it an, an old Clone Wars era yeah, venerator? Yeah, the venerator class. Yeah. So when they cut to that, like some of those look like fully formed dark troopers in my opinion. So as a Star Wars fan, I'm hoping. At least to see him move around. If we get to see him fight, yeah. Yeah. oh my god, even better. So that's my thing. I think, I think we're gonna get to see Tython. Yeah. I think we'll get an interesting thing because was it Allie who thinks that Gideon is force sensitive? Yes, but he also claims the Mandalorian is. <laughs> Which will be what? interesting, considering that they're training. He's now semi sort of training the child, right? Yeah, but. Ahsoka would have picked it up if he was. Oh, good point. Good so that's point. why I, I, I'm, it's a shame that Ali can't be here because I would now say, <laughs> you are wrong, Ali. <laughs> what I wonder is, is I personally think that whatever, whatever mad scientist thing he's got going on with the, the child's blood, I could see him experimenting on himself with it to try to imbue himself with the force. Oh, but I don't necessarily think number one, it's like all things. It's not, it's not a true force connection. So it's probably not as strong. And maybe temporary while he uses almost like a serum. Yeah. Like a stim, like a stim. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm wondering is if they don't have some sort of like thing that like enhances, because like we know that the Jedi themselves, when they were in the Clone Wars, they used their Force abilities to enhance their combat, han- yep. enhance their breathing, and all that sort of thing to make them better soldiers and better fighters. So I could definitely see this as some sort of super soldier serum that the Empire is working mm. on. And, like, what I'm wondering is, is if when they're on Tython, if that giant, let's call it its Force beacon from that temple doesn't go out into the wider universe and call Gideon there, which then... In the preceding episode, they have to escape from Gideon, and then in whatever happens. So that's my my thought. Is well, I think Gideon's tracking them anyway because there's the tracker on his ship. Oh right. No. So they've already got a method of following him. Yeah, yeah. I completely forgotten about that. You're right. So yeah, there is no real need to do that. All right, all right. So yeah, 
But then, so then, yeah. So then, my then I'll then I'll shift. But I still think I bet we see Gideon at Titan. That's my. I think we get a our first. I don't think they wait until the last episode like they did in season one. No. And it's either going to be for me. It's either going to be fourteen or fifteen that they do that. So I'm hoping in the next one because I want. I know when it comes to Gideon, and it comes to his plot lines that there's plot forwarding when it comes to him because he ultimately has the plot. Right? Yes, he's the, he's the driving force of that portion of the plot. So yes, I just want yes, more plot agree. development. <laughs> I agree. So yeah, I th- I think the rest of this season is is revolving around him and Gideon. Okay. Do you think we see Sabine this season? So, so if if we did, it'd be Tira Sikar, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well, at least that's the rumor, right? Yeah. Um, has anybody seen her dress as Sabine at all? Like, has there been any leaks? No, but then there was no links of Rosario Dawson neither. Lots right. of rumors. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It, it, it'd be fantastic if they did. Um, but then why wasn't she with Ahsoka? Or why wasn't she with Bo-Katan? The, the two people that she could be with. Yeah, she wasn't. So, yeah, I find it very interesting. Um, you know, considering the Darksaber... Right. And considering her ties to Mandalorians, I felt yeah. it very interesting that she wasn't a part of it. So I'll be I'll be excited to see her. I don't expect to see her by the end of the season. Maybe if they do, they tease her at the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, possibly. Kind of as like the last little twist to keep you hooked for next season and talking about what's going to happen next season. A bit like we saw the Darksaber at the very end of this of the season. I one. mean, the Internet yeah. blew up with that. For yeah. months afterwards, right? I mean, every blog article I saw was, what is the Darksaber and why is it important? And I'm just looking at that going, if you don't know, <laughs> you better start reading. You got some backup to do, kids. <laughs> like, I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, just before we started this. We were playing um, some video games, and I was chatting with him on there. And and he was asking me my opinion on things, and I was, like, talking about certain things. He was like, what are you talking about? I was like, didn't you watch Rebels? And he was like... <laughs> He goes, uh, yeah. He goes, I think I got like halfway through it. I was like, well, then you didn't watch it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm trying to talk to you about things that you have no concept of. I was like, so I was like, we can't really. I was like, I know too much. I was like, you don't know enough. <laughs> I was like, but it was interesting talking to him just about the episode because he really enjoyed it. Obviously, he's familiar with Ahsoka. Yeah. Because he's seen Clone Wars and he's seen parts of Rebels. So I thought it was interesting to get his opinion on it. He thought it was a really good episode. He thought it was great Star Wars. You know, he felt, and he's older than me by about 10 years. So he's in his, he's in about 45. So similar to me. So, okay. So yeah. So he remembers like original Star Wars, like you, like he grew up with that and he had, you know, Kenner Star Wars yeah. toys and lunch boxes and stuff. So for him, he says, this is the most, like he, he said, the, the Mandalorian's the most, much like what you said, it's the most Star Wars, Star Wars since the original trilogy to him. Yes, I can see that. I can see so, that. you know, I think they've, I think they got a, they got a winner on their hands. They're, they're touching everybody, new people, old, old fans, and new yes. fans like everybody seems to be enjoying it. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy. It was a great episode. You know, I can only hope that they continue with this quality. Gotcha. 
yeah, I agree. I agree. They've, well, they've kept it up for, for five episodes. I, I, I would say that the second episode I still think is a good episode. So they've managed it for five episodes. Three to go. I, I don't feel like there's going to be a slip in quality. I don't either. And I think also one of the things that about this season that's been nice is on the first one, we kind of were on planets like Navarro. And they were kind of similar, except for the one planet where you had the rice paddy farmer. Or, yes, uh, the sanctuary. Yeah, the sanctuary one, which was a very green episode. They all kind of had a similar, very western-y feel, right? Because we yes. were on Navarro, we were on Tatooine. In this one, each episode has been so different from a color palette to a location yes. difference. That, like, I love that. Yeah, I have too, because... You think about the, the the planets that we went to in the sequel trilogy, and we've already outstripped that in, in two seasons yes. of The Mandalorian. Yes. You know, we've already learned yes. about whole new season, new new species, and whole new planets, and how things are working. So That's I true. find it interesting. One thing I didn't bring up on the last one that I meant to ask you was at the end of not not the Jedi, but the end of the siege. You know, when the the X wing uh, pilot is talking to to Kara. Yeah. At the very end, he puts something on the table. Yes, is, is he basically giving her a, a, a like a uh, New Republic like sheriff's badge? Basically, well, I I got that feeling because I, I did see online, and again, I, I I've not gone back to check this, but uh, the marshal who we saw in uh, the first episode, right? Someone pulled out that on his belt he had. Like a almost like a small color palette on his belt, belt buckle that implied he was a marshal. I didn't notice so, that. I, I didn't, so I've not lo- I've not gone back to check this. This was what something that I, I saw online. And then, secondly, Cara Dune in uh, the siege had a similar color scheme on her belt buckle. Huh. And what they then suggested was that the 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 um, New Republic shield that they put down had the same barcode color scheme on the foot of it. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The suggestion of being she would then become a New Republic marshal. They're legitimizing her authority essentially. Yes. She's the new. She's not the new sheriff in town. They're just because I do think it's interesting because that's the, that was one of the major overtones of the siege. Right? Was the New Republic wants to try to you know, for lack of a better term, domesticate or wrangle in the wild west of the Outer Rim, right? Yes, yes. I, at first I thought maybe it was like some sort of communicator thing. Yeah, no, I, I saw it as a badge. I did see it as Yeah, a badge. I watched it a second time and I was like, no, nah, it looks more like a sheriff's badge, but a, yeah. a New Republic sheriff's badge. Okay, and I we, we didn't get a chance to talk about that last time because I forgot, but I just meant to ask you about that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so satisfying to have something to just gush over you know because as much like i wanted to love the rise of skywalker i wanted to love the last jedi and to a degree i like them and they're fine but i don't love them yes they're beautiful looking they're great they're they look stunning and there's some cool fight scenes but i don't love them like i like i don't i spend time like reading about the clone wars because i find it fascinating how they've woven that story like it's yeah. so intricate and there's so much that she was doing behind the scenes that they continually, even when 90% of the story isn't about that, you see that one 10% where it 
pops back into that main order 66 timeline yes. uh, story thread and you're like ooh yes. and you know you as a star wars fan you look for those nuggets of gold and it's it's yes. nice when you're rewarded with them you know and so now just the quality is i i know we've been waxing on for 20 an hour and 55 minutes now but i, <laughs> I can't stop i can't stop i want more do we know the name of the next uh, episode um, it might be possible to find that online. Give me one second. Everything I've seen just is chapter 14, so I didn't know if you had read anywhere. No, not at the moment. Yeah, so far it just says chapter 13 or 14 for me. Uh, chapter 14, yeah. Uh, it's so weird, too, because I live in a we live in that era of just being able to binge most things that yeah, like, I know. <laughs> it is actually kind of nice because like I watched I, this weekend over this week, we had a long weekend here in the, in the States because of Thanksgiving yeah. and, and, and uh, what is now indigenous people's day, uh, but what is black Friday essentially. Yeah. Um, and so my wife and I got into the Sherlock series from BBC with Benedict Cumberbatch oh, and um, TV show. Oh, fantastic writing. I was, yeah. I had started watching it back in the day and somehow I had dropped off like after about this third episode and there, my wife went through and watched it and she'd always said, you, you're really going to like this. And so we had, this weekend we binged through like all four seasons of it while we oh, were wow. hanging around and stuff and doing stuff. And like, binging is great because you get everything compacted and you're instantly rewarded. But like to a degree... I don't remember things as well because I didn't have the time in between yep. to think about and to analyze things to an nth extent and figure out, you know, so sometimes things would happen and I'd be like, I don't even remember who this person is, yes. but I had just watched it like, oh, that was last season three hours ago. We just watched it and I didn't retain any of that. Yes. So it's very interesting in this concept. I like having something weekly to look forward to. I like being able to dissect it. So this has been fantastic having these little chats with us and doing this stuff i really like it because i don't have too many people in my like my wife likes star wars but she doesn't like star wars like i like star wars she could care less about hk7 assassin droids or the shape <laughs> of a you know of the foils on the x or on the on the tie fighter because like i was like i kept like rewinding that when the when gideon the, yeah the way they i was like they expand and she was like uh-huh and i was like that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> you know i just i'm such a nerd for it so anyway so uh yeah any final thoughts dave let's wrap this up i know people got places to go we're already two hours in i don't want to outdo just the two of us people are oh no definitely definitely not we, yeah we wouldn't live it down um final, <laughs> thoughts, final thought i would say um we we put out a tweet this this afternoon saying that we were going to record um and we, we we asked a question as to whether um, the the cast and the production team what what how well have they performed? And and I would say that everybody that was involved in this episode have just done an outstanding job. Um, it was a great story. It was a great way of pulling Ahsoka on, on, onto the screen into live action. Um, Rosario Dawson did a superlative job um, of, of 
the the, the character. Um, Diane did such an amazing job acting as a sinister villain. Um, cold, heartless, really good. So, no, I, I would say that it was a brilliant episode. And if this is what we could see with a future Ahsoka TV show, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, well said, well said. I have very little to add. Obviously, we've been going on for two hours, and if you haven't noticed, I was a huge, huge fan of the episode. I want more. I want a whole Dave Filoni show. I want him to be in charge of the Ahsoka Ezra Sabine show. <laughs> and I, I want to know, I want to see that. I, you know, I read online some people saying, oh, Ahsoka's, you know, they brought her into the live action despite her story being over. And I was like, what Star Wars did you watch? The End of Rebels obviously leaves her story open for more. So yeah. for me, it's, I want more. I just want more, 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 more now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we have the people in charge, the, the writers, the, they obviously, their crew, fantastic job. The, the people that they've assembled to write this show have really done, outdone themselves. Yes, yes. And, and, and also the people behind the scenes with regards to production, with regards to special effects, to regards to, to, the, to how they, they visualize the, the locations. Oh. And I love, I love, even I watch the, the, the credits because the, the, yes. uh, the, the concept art that is at the end of that is so beautiful. Like I'm a huge fan of concept arts in general, just from my art background. I love it for video games and, and, and TV and stuff. And I think that's a real treat to really see, you know, the things that inspired the episodes and to see that really, I mean, they've almost shot for shot re you know made live what they drew like to a degree i mean occasionally you get one where you're like oh that would have been cool to see they didn't quite make that happen but they have something similar and some of them you're like oh man that's exactly what they did it looks amazing so you know great episode wonderful wonderful cast uh rosario dawson did a fantastic job everybody did a fantastic job diane like you said she sold it for me i immediately hated her immediately <laughs> like i was immediately revulsed and that's the sign of a good actor you know uh, you know it's it's the sign of, of a person who who has dedicated themselves to the role and not yeah you know so what do you guys all think drop us a line on uh twitter let's get those comments going and what do you guys think is going to happen next week what do you think what do you think what do you think let's get those let's speculate i love speculation definitely we we are on Twitter uh, at the Jedi underscore Council. We are on Instagram with the underscore Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. We are on Facebook with TJC the Jedi Council. You'll find us on SoundCloud. You'll find us on uh, iTunes, Apple iTunes. You will find us on everywhere that you will find great podcasts. You can even find us on, on Amazon Alexa. If you say, Alexa, play the Jedi Council, she will do for you. Um, you can... And in fact, my Alexa has now just kicked off. Alexa, my Alexa just kicked on as well because of you. <laughs> I'd like to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and you will find us on our website, which is www.the-jedi-council.com. If you search the Jedi Council, 
Um, we are, I think, number four following actually going to Star Wars or Wikipedia. We, we are up there. We, we are easy to find if you want to find us. And, of course, if you like, uh, you know, all the free podcasts and the Star Wars conversation, give us a like and rate us on uh, iTunes and all those places that you get your podcasts. Because we, uh, we appreciate it. And we love interacting with all you guys on Twitter. And we're working on Instagram, doing a little more on Instagram these days. And uh, was, it, it, was it Alex who put out his uh, Adidas review? I saw the YouTube. It did, it did. Yes, yes. I forgot. Yeah. Yes, we're also on so YouTube. We've got stuff on YouTube as well for you guys if you want yes. some, some Star Wars merch stuff. And I think Dave does some stuff. for. I've, I've done a few bits of my collection, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. Including the old Clomore cartoons. Ah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, so thanks for uh, hanging out with us, guys, for two hours and four minutes. We're going to get out of here before we, we break the, uh, the time barrier of the two hours and 30 minutes we went last week. Um, as always, it's been a pleasure. We look forward to it, and uh, may the Force be with you guys. The Force will be with you. <laughs>